Second day of spring, doesn't it feel good? Grateful for that, grateful that we are only two weeks away from Good Friday and Easter, that we celebrate what we just sang about in Christ alone. And of course, Christ died on the cross, and we want to honor and celebrate that on our Good Friday services, 1210 and 610 at all of our campuses. Uh, the weird times are for those who can leave uh, maybe your uh, lunch hour at 12 and get here at 1210. We'll get you back by 1 o'clock, about 45-minute services at 1210 and 610. And then we, we bust it all open and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And that Sunday, actually Saturday, we'll start at 5 o'clock and then 9, 1015, and 1130. Make sure if you haven't done it yet, register for services. We want to make sure that we can accommodate everybody. There are a couple services that are getting close to filling up, so make sure you sign up soon. And we're not just asking you to sign up by texting the word Easter to that number on the screen. We're also asking you to attend one and serve one. So we want you to come and participate and worship and celebrate Jesus and the resurrection but we also ask that you would serve your fellow people, maybe as a greeter or helping out with the kiddos for about 45, 50 minutes. So if you're willing to do that and you have a little extra margin in your day, you could text the word Easter serve to that number on the screen, or you got a form, fill that out, put it in our giving boxes on the way out, and we would appreciate you serving and attending an Easter service. Now, the other day I was doing a Google search like many of you do on a weird topic. I was looking up weird, obscure state laws. Have you ever done this before? When you leave here today, or you can do it now, you can tune me out, whatever you want to do, go to Google and type in weird, obscure state laws. It is hilarious. And these things are laws. So if you're in this state, you have to abide by it. Now, one law that I'm glad that they changed, thank the Lord, is up until 2015, the law in the state of Minnesota limited nursing homes to playing bingo to just two days per week. Whoever lawmaker changed that, props to you. How could you do that to our elderly friends? Limiting bingo to two days a week? Someday when I'm in the nursing home, I'm going seven days a week. So now they can in Minnesota, thank God. Now here's another law that's even crazier. In the state of Louisiana, it is illegal for one or more persons to engage with a bear for the purpose of fighting. You cannot go to Louisiana and fight a bear. If you do, you will be arrested for it, okay? So make sure if you encounter a bear, run. Don't wrestle it. But that's not the best one. I saved the best for last. Bad news. If you go to Washington and you see Bigfoot... The slaying of Bigfoot is a felony and punishable by five years in prison. So if you see Bigfoot, make sure to get your camera out so you can make millions of dollars in getting those pictures out in the internet, but do not kill Bigfoot or you're going to jail for five years and it's a felony, all right? These are state laws. So if you go into these states and you end up are guilty of these, you can be in trouble for that. You have to follow them no matter how obscure and weird they are. Which got me thinking, what about some obscure and weird laws in the Old Testament? There are some crazy ones. For instance, in Leviticus 10.11, it says, But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in shallow water and to all creatures that live in deep water. That means you are not allowed to eat shrimp and lobster. 
oh, I got a problem with that Old Testament because I love me some shrimp and lobster. Now, you can have normal fish, but no shrimp and lobster. How weird is that? Or what about in Deuteronomy 22, 11, it says, you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. You want to know if you're guilty of a sin today? Check your tag, because if it's a combination of cotton and polyester, look out. You are sinning. <laughs> These are weird, obscure laws in the Old Testament. And the question that remains this morning is, are you supposed to follow them? If you aren't, how do you know which ones you are supposed to ignore and the ones that you're actually supposed to follow? Because if we aren't supposed to follow the law, what do we do with the rest of the Old Testament? We're going to solve the equation today, what we're supposed to do with these weird laws that you read about in the Old Testament, and we're going to solve it with one word, Jesus. That's why we're in this message series called Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. You can go through from the beginning to the end of the Old Testament, and you will not see the word Jesus at all. But you start in Genesis 3.15, and you see Jesus promised there, and you walk through the whole Bible. It's promising Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. He is the completion of that Old Testament. He is the one who's the Messiah. And we want to interpret the Old Testament law through Jesus this morning. And in order to do that, to anchor our message together, to pay attention and follow along, we're going to ask three questions of the text this morning. The first is this. What is God's intended purpose for the law? Why did he give it in the first place? The second is, what does Jesus have to say about the law? And then finally, when we answer those two questions, then we can go to the third question of how and what are we supposed to do when it comes to following the law? So let's jump in. First question, what is God's intended purpose of the law? A couple days ago, I finally caved. It's something that my kids have wanted for a long time, and I said no. My wife begged me to get it because she's the one at home with our kids most of the time, and I used to say no. But then seeing how crazy my kids are getting, especially with COVID, being around the house a lot, and then in the summer, we finally found a deal, and I finally caved and said yes. Do you know what I said yes to? A trampoline. That's right. <laughs> I have resisted and resisted and resisted. But my conditions were twofold. One, it has to have a net, and my wife was the same way. We have to have a netting, because I've seen how my boys wrestle, and without a net, they're falling off within five seconds of being on that thing. The other rule that I had with the, with the trampoline, I told my boys, especially my eight-year-old Hudson, who is a wild man, I said, no flipping, front or back. He's like, but dad, what if I land it? <laughs> I said, Hudson, first of all, you ain't going to land it. I've seen you flip before. The second of all is there is no flipping. Not even your friends can flip. And if I see one flip, by the time you land on that trampoline, I'm going to tear that thing down. And of course, he's like, Dad, come on. Like, I, I want to do this. You know, those are the rules. And that's why we have rules and laws and commands. It's like a netting. It's to protect us. My son thinks I'm a killjoy, but that's not the case. I want him to jump, but I want him to jump safely. I want him to enjoy it, but I want a net around it so they don't end up hurting themselves. That's why we have laws. That's why when you leave today and you drive out of here, there's a good chance you're going to stop at a red light. And you probably should do that because if not, you're going to get in a car accident. 
It is not to limit you or to keep you back from getting home faster. It is to keep you safe and other people safe. It's the netting around a trampoline. It's to protect you from you and from others. So we have house rules, right? You know how you set rules and some of your kids and some people in your home are going to push those rules and they just think you are the worst person in the world, but you know the law and the rules and the commands are in place to help them become the person that you can see them becoming, to keep them safe, keep them on the straight and narrow. That's what the law is. And in, that's a general thing, but, but that's God's purpose too. In fact, when Paul is reflecting on the law and he's saying it's completed in Christ, but let me tell you why it was instituted in the first place. The apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 3.23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the netting or the guard of the law. And literally he says it's a protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. God's law, when he gave it to the Israelites, we're not to say you can't do this and can't do this because I don't want you to have fun. It's to protect you from you. It's to protect you from outside influences that could take you away from me. And it's to protect you, to keep you within our relationship together. That's what the law is about. But there's one more specific way the law is also a mirror. It is to reveal what's in our hearts. The prophet Jeremiah says, our hearts are deceitful above all things. Now, none of us think that. We all think we're good. We all think we do the right thing. But when you look in the mirror, you really get a glimpse of who you are. And the law is the same thing. It gives you a glimpse of your heart. It shows you what's really in there. The Apostle Paul tells us a few verses earlier about this. He says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. To show that they can't obey it. To show them that even though they want to worship God, they can't truly. Even though they want to love people, you can't fully. The law was given as a mirror to your heart to understand what's happening in there. Not to be a killjoy. Not to limit you or to push you down, but to show you your need for a Savior. For Paul says, but the law was designed to last only to the coming of the child that was promised. That's what the law does. It protects and it reveals what's really in us. And so now when we look at the Old Testament, we can start to understand this a little bit. And there's three different levels of laws or different kinds of laws. The first law that you'll, not the first that you'll encounter, but one kind of law that you'll encounter in the Old Testament are civil laws. These are the laws that govern life in ancient Israel. Just like we have laws in America and laws in our towns to govern how we live as Americans, so today in ancient Israel. We see one of these laws. It's really weird, but it's one of their laws. I mean, suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it, and then an ox or donkey falls into it. Any of you guys have dealt with this before? The next time an ox or donkey falls, here's what you're supposed to do. The owner of the pit must, of course, pay full compensation to the owner of the animal. But then he gets to keep the dead animals. There you go. Now to us 20, uh, 21st century Western folk, we're like, that is really weird. But if you lived in ancient Israel, that was a law. 
That's what happened back then. They had to write a law that said, what happens if a donkey or an oxen falls into the pit? The law was helping them to be civil and to protect them and to keep them as a society on the straight and narrow. But the laws that you're really going to encounter more than ever in the Old Testament are what we call ceremonial laws. These laws describe how Israelites are to worship God. Some of those laws include dietary laws, animal sacrificial laws, temple purification cleansing laws. Everything was in place to help people properly worship God. Here's one of those laws found in Leviticus 11, verse 7. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud, so it's unclean. A.K.A. no bacon for the Israelites. <laughs> Can't eat it. Now you can sit back and say, now Lord, if you've had bacon and you like bacon like me, you're like, Lord, you are limiting the Israelites. How could you take them away for such a sweet and amazing delicacy? But do you know what? It had nothing to do with bacon. It all to do with their hearts. You see, he institutes this law to protect them, to protect them from pagan societies. These pagan societies or these pagan neighbors to the Israelites, they were worshiping false gods. And he says, I don't want you to eat pork because I'm afraid you're going to go into their homes and not just eat pork, but you're going to fall into their worship of their false god. It was to protect them from going in and being infiltrated for, for the wrong reasons, to take them away from Yahweh. Now, these pagans can come into the Israelite homes and they can interact that way, but the Israelites were not supposed to go and be influenced in a negative way. It all had to do with worshiping God. It wasn't to limit them. It wasn't to be a killjoy. It wasn't for them to feel like they were missing out. It was actually to protect them from pagan worshipers, or protect them from themselves so they could have this intimate relationship with God. That's the ceremonial laws. And you're going to see those often in the Old Testament when you read it. And finally, the moral law. These are laws that instructed Israelites how to love God and love people. A great example of the moral law are the Ten Commandments. We see the first commandment in Exodus 23, you shall have no other God but me. Dr. Whitmer, who is actually a professor at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, he was my mentor when I was in seminary. He said, look, when you look at these three kinds of laws, especially ceremonial and moral laws, when you look at these laws, you need to ask yourself this question when interpreting them. What does it tell me about God and how does it teach me to love others? That's what the Old Testament law was getting at a better view of how to relate to God, and a better view of relating to other people. Even when you read obscure laws, you're like, this is so weird. It was not weird to them. It was to help them stay on the straight and narrow with God and with others. Which brings us to the question, are we supposed to follow the law anymore? Some of us are saying, no, we're not, because we're in Christ. In Christ has eliminated the law. But that's not true. That's not what Jesus says. So that's why we have to ask the question before we even interpret how are we supposed to follow the law, if at all, we need to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you have to say about the law? Now Jesus, 
talks a lot about the law in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, honestly, is a commentary on the Ten Commandments. You will see all the commandments fleshed out in that uh, sermon that he gives. In fact, he'll say, you've heard it said you should not kill somebody. And we'd all be like, yeah, duh, (laughs) we shouldn't do that. But then when he sees it, I say to you, don't even harbor hate in your heart against a brother. You're like, oh, shoot, (laughs) guilty of that. And he goes on and on and on. He's reinterpreting the law through himself, but he's not nullifying it. He's not throwing it away. How do we know he doesn't throw away the law? Because he says so. Here's what Jesus says about the law in Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I have not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I have not come to get rid of them. Interesting. What has he come to do? Come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. A lot of us think when Jesus died and rose again, he took an eraser and erased the law and that we don't have to follow it anymore. But if he starts to erase the law, what else should he erase in the Old Testament? You go down a slippery slope of nullifying the Old Testament in general if you think that Jesus came to get rid of the law. He didn't come with an eraser. He flipped the pencil over and came with a period. For Jesus says he's accomplished their purpose. Which means, here's the Old Testament law up until this point, and then he puts a period, and then he says, now there's going to be a new way. Now there's going to be a new way to relate to God and relate with other people. And that new way is through me. You see, the law has always been pointed to me. Because when you try to follow the law, you know you can't, but I can do it perfectly. He will fulfill its purposes. He will accomplish its purposes. He didn't come to erase it. He came to come with a period and start something new. So that's why when you ask Jesus, what do you have to say about the law? He would say this, I have come to fulfill the old way or the old covenant, the way that they had a relationship with him and the Israelites. I'm fulfilling it. I'm going to accomplish its purpose. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Today's going to be a beautiful day, and you may decide to go for a walk later. Maybe you'll go by yourself, with a friend, a family member. And you may go outside and you want to enjoy nature. But I assume when you're enjoying nature, you're looking up at nature. You're not looking down at the shadows and thinking, oh, man, Nature is so beautiful. If you see a shadow of a bird, you look up at the bird. If you see a shadow of a tree, you look up at the tree. Why? Because it's a preview. It's an outline of the real thing. And that's what Jesus has come to show you. 
The law is a preview. It was there to protect and it was there to convict, but it was never a true means to have a relationship with God. He is the true means to having a relationship with God. So Jesus comes to fulfill it, which means we don't have to have animal laws anymore for he has made everything clean. We don't have dietary laws anymore because he has made everything clean. We don't have animal sacrificial laws anymore because the blood was shed by the Lamb of God himself. We don't have temple purification laws anymore because there was a temple curtain that separated God from us and it tore from the top down. God tore it down to say, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your life looks like, you can enter in because of Jesus. So Jesus establishes this new way. He tells us, that's what Pastor Ryan read this morning and we sang about, this new way, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through, except through me. You don't have to follow a law. You don't have to cleanse yourself. I've done it all. You just come to me and I'll get you to the Father. It's his grace. It's his love. No more trying hard. No more trying to fulfill all these 616 laws in the Old Testament imperfectly. Jesus fulfilled it for you. And then Jesus, right before he dies, he's having dinner with his best friends, these disciples. And he says, right before he's about to die in Luke twenty two twenty, after supper, he took a cup of wine and he said this, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. He's talking to Jews who are familiar with the law. There's a new one, a new way. I'm going to hit a period here, and we're going to start over. And this new covenant is an agreement confirmed with my blood, no animal blood anymore, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus is saying, you want to have a relationship with the Father? You don't have to do anything. Just come to me, and I will give you that. So when Jesus has to say this about the, the law, he doesn't kill it. He doesn't get rid of it. He doesn't do any of it. He fulfills it. He shows it all along. It's in pointing to him. He's the purpose for it. So now that we can ask what Jesus says about it, now we can answer the question, are you required to follow the law? And the answer is no. And yes. You like that? No, you are not under the civil and ceremonial law anymore. Of course, the civil law was more for the Israelites and their whole ancient Israel culture. And so, of course, we don't follow that. But when it comes to ceremonial law, when it comes to animal sacrifices and eating certain animals and temple purification laws and all these other laws, you are not under it anymore. Now, does that mean we don't read them in the Old Testament? Does that mean when I get to Deuteronomy or Leviticus, I just keep skipping over until I get to, to Matthew? No. It can still apply to you, the principle of it. Remember, Dr. Whitmer said this. In the Old Testament, the law was given to tell me about God, and it teaches me how to love others. So let's go back to our pork law for a moment. The good news is, when you go home today, you can eat as much bacon as you want. Don't tell your doctor I said that. And if you're a vegan, I didn't mean what I said, okay? <laughs> but you can eat shellfish. You can eat pork. But why was that law given in the first place? It had nothing to do 
with their diet had to do with their worship. So my question to you is this. When I read that and think, okay, God's trying to protect me from other gods so I don't fall into that kind of worship, it should ask your, you should ask yourself, should I eat pork? No, no, no. What am I worshiping? Are you worshiping Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament? Or, of course, we see that into Christ. Is that who you're worshiping, Jesus? Or are you worshiping money, worshiping success, worshiping the mirror, worshiping your body, worshiping sex, worshiping whatever it is? That's when you read the law. It's not about the food. It's about our hearts keeping us aligned with God. That's how we interpret the law. We're not, we don't have to obey it. You can eat it. But you still have to ask, how does it apply to me and my worship with the Lord? How does this teach me how to love people better? So no, you're not under the law anymore. Christ eradicated that from his, by his grace and his love. But yes, we are under the law still. Paul tells us how in 1 Corinthians 9.21. I'm not ignoring the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. What's the difference? Well, he's telling us that the 616 laws we find in the Old Testament had one purpose. And the purpose that not only do the Old Testament folk, they follow, so do we New Testament folk as well. Jesus tells us what the law of Christ is. It should be familiar to you. Jesus replied in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You and I, Christ follower, are under this law. This is what guides us. This is the netting in our lives. This is to show us that we can't always do it and how much grace we need. Because unless you're worshiping God perfectly and loving people perfectly, we need Jesus, Jesus, Jesus to help us. I was driving over from Sandusky today, and of course I love when I get to the bridge. One, I know I'm closer to the campus, but I just love the scenery. I love the lake. I lived, in, lived at Bayview for about 10 years of my life, so I like to look over at Bayview, and, and I love the water. But more importantly, I love the left guardrail and the right guardrail because <laughs> I can enjoy the water without going into the water. <laughs> and you love that too. You see, when... Jesus says, I want you to follow me. He says, I'm going to fulfill your life so much that you're not going to even know what to do. You're going to have so much purpose, so much meaning. You're going to have a mission to your life. However, I'm going to give you a law to follow, and it's going to be the guardrails to the good life. Love God and love people. You stay between these guardrails, this law, and you're going to live beyond what you could ever imagine. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the Old Testament law. Not only do we get an insight of how Israelites worshiped you, but it, it makes us ask ourselves, Lord, am I following you completely? Some of these laws point out some of those things, but I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to follow a law to get to you. I get to you because of Jesus. Lord, we should be so overwhelmed with that today that there's nothing holding us back from you. 
No matter what condition we're in, no matter how many times we've read the Bible, no matter how many things we've done wrong this week, we get to come to you because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for all of us in this room that we would remember what life is all about. Loving you and loving people, and the rest are details. Help us to do it well. For that's obeying your law that you want all of us to obey. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You can be seated and we'll dismiss you in a few moments.